Engaging conversation on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Well, hello, friends. Pro-Life leader Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to our Pro-Life Primetime show, on which, as you can see, I'm joined tonight by one of our priests. Uh, He has served as our Associate Director since 1998, believe it or not, the last century, the previous millennium. Uh, Father Dennis Wilde, an Augustinian priest, uh, has... um, I want, in fact, I want to re- refresh our memories with him about how he first connected with us and decided to work with us full time. But Father Dennis is still with us full time. Father, welcome to the program. It's great to be with you and uh, to share this opportunity this afternoon. It's great. Yes, we're going to uh, really uh, delve into some some good things with with our with our audience. Uh, but first, let's start as we always do with with prayer. And I want to use my my prayer book, uh, Pro-Life Reflections for Every Day. I think most of our viewers, our faithful viewers anyway, have their own copy of this book. And so they will know uh, that uh, we have as our entry today from Isaiah 49, verse 15. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion for the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. Reflection. In assuring his people of his unfailing love for them, God seeks an extreme example to make his point. He speaks of the bond between a mother and the child of her womb. He declares that the breaking of that bond is practically unthinkable to him. Let us pray. Lord, you have established the bond between mother and child and used it as an example of the most faithful commitment. Strengthen all mothers and protect all their children. Amen. Well, friends, you can get this book at ProLifeReflectionsForEveryDay.com. And Father Dennis, I always found it interesting, that scripture verse, how, you know, God himself is, is, I mean, he's hinting at abortion. He really is. He's saying, you know, he's saying... He's saying abortion is unthinkable. You know, we always talk in terms of making abortion unthinkable. But in this passage, God is saying it is unthinkable that a mother would forget her own child. And yet he leaves the door open for the depravity of the human heart by saying, you know what? Even if it comes to that, even if human relationships deteriorate to such a point that a mother forgets her own child, even if the violence uh, that the human family is capable of goes to such an extreme that a mother can forget her own child, I will never forget you. And he's only talking here about forgetting. He's not even talking about destroying or dismembering. I I always found this to be such a powerful pro-life passage. And well, I see something in there, really, if I can pick up on it, is that, you know, if a mother forgets her child. Now, when we're preaching, we're representing Mother Church. And Mother Church does not forget that child. So it's so important for priests to be preaching about this issue, which is killing children, instead of building them up as, as children, brothers and sisters in the church. But Holy Mother Church can be applied to that word, I think, there too. She doesn't forget her child, obviously. 
she doesn't forget it, but we need to remind people of it as well. Yeah, exactly. We need to remind, we need to strengthen and protect that bond. So you are with us uh, still on a full-time basis. You're, we're grateful to the, uh, the Augustinian uh, province that you belong to and your superiors for having le- loaned you to this ministry of Priests for Life for so long a time. Uh, remind us how back in 1998, you first got the idea of uh, asking us to uh, do this ministry. Well, I had been preaching about this, uh, you know, since Roe v. Wade. I mean, I was ordained in 1970, and so there were three years, and then finally this came about. So that was the impetus, of course. That was the thing which drew people together, galvanized people, and it galvanized my thinking in terms of we've got to change things. we got to change things around. But I started talking about the abortion issue uh, even before that, but preaching about it. And then I was in my ministry during weekends and during the week and so forth uh, at different parishes, I was bringing it up a lot, but finally I had the opportunity. I started reading, actually it was from Human Life International at first. Uh, I was interested in that. And then I finally got some missives from uh, Priests for Life that uh, that Father Frappone was was mentioning or speaking on. And uh, he had been called to Rome at the time, uh, worked it out with uh, Cardinal O'Connor, uh, Council on the Family was over in Rome. So we've got a broader international experience on this that he was already involved in in the United States. So I wrote and uh, one thing led to another and I uh, I came on board in 1998. But I was always fascinating and reading about this. Uh, I had, uh, you know, seen uh, a doctor, uh, the name is evading me now, <laughs> but uh, the, uh, the, the doctor, uh, the abortion questions and answers, that one. And uh, it, it was a very powerful thing. But then I went on from there and pre- preaching about it and joined. So I came on board and then I went over overseas to Rome and we uh, hashed out some things together, worked out what, what the things are and uh, getting familiar with the Internet. Actually, I was in, involved with the Internet other ways. But but one of the things I remember was Father mentioned at the time, he says, let's uh, look at these different organizations there and send an email to the organizations. And just to say you're coming on board at Priest for Life, let them know that just as an introductory thing. And then a few days later, we checked it out again, and uh, we wanted to see the responses on that. And it was interesting to see that. That gave me a, a sense of the communications that can take place. Uh, this, again, is 98. So you're talking 25 years ago, and things were just budding at the time in, in the uh, email world. But at any case, that was that struck with, uh, stayed with me for a while and recognized you know, the power that we can do and to reach out that way to other people. So I came on board yeah. and in 98, uh, I had my first, uh, my first appeal was then to Steubenville. I spoke at the priest conference there at the University of Steubenville. And then uh, a very fine uh, thing at the University at Dayton, Ohio, was, is pro-life as the response, uh, <coughs> pro-life group at, at Dayton, Ohio. And um, there were four great uh, uh, leaders there that were involved in it. Father Papone was over in Rome at the time, but but that was a very fine introduction to it. Uh, different dimensions, the medical, the legal, uh, the social dimension of it, of course, and all the things that t- tie together in the church. So that was a wonderful start too. And then going around from there. Yeah, I think what, what you saw was a uh, notice in the newsletter, right? I had put a few lines in the newsletter. Oh, that's what it was, yeah. Um, I, had, I, I had mentioned Human Life International, which is a fine organization. 
Um, and uh, it was Father Marx at the time. And I would read his stuff all the time and get back. And he had some wonderful things in there. And I finally talked to the provincial about wanting to do this kind of work. And he, he didn't give me any guff on it. You know, he was very, so he says, that's a very important thing that we branch out into other areas as well. Yeah, yes, and yes. so I did that. All right. So after that, I, um, I went to human life and it didn't seem to materialize because they had some changes of, of personnel there. So that wasn't ready. So I came home and I, you know, I'll say the Holy Spirit, I guess the time isn't now, but I'll keep praying about it. I came back and on that Friday afternoon, I got the missive from uh, Priest for Life and Father had mentioned it in that. He says, pray to the Holy Spirit that people, men who want to come on board as priests uh, can do this kind of thing. And that yeah. was kind of the, the flashpoint. And I got on the phone and I spoke to Janet Morana at the time because Father Frank was in right. the room. And then one thing led to another. Yeah. That's right. Those were the years I was serving in Rome at the Council yeah. for the Family under uh, John Paul II. So yeah, it was great. We uh, we got together because we were looking. We were opening the door. We uh, we already had Father Richard Hogan, who unfortunately since then has passed away. Uh, but he uh, he uh, had come on board. Uh, he was the first full time priest, other than myself, serving this ministry. Uh, and then you came, and at the course at the same time that you came. We had Father Peter West uh, join us, and uh, he served with us for quite a long time as well. And then he also served for a time at um, at Human Life International. Yeah. And then we just saw him recently. Uh, he came. In fact, he came for my uh, my dad's funeral back in uh, uh, beginning January. of January. So it was nice to see him again. And um, Father Peter West, great, strong pro life voice still uh in touch father with quinn too he came on and, the year after he's another augustinian uh he uh, about 12 years older actually but he came on board a year after i did and uh served very well very well and uh now i'm going to be interviewing um in fact i did some programs already with father david begany a josephite priest who was with us for a while and uh, I'm going to do another conversation with him. But one of the things we talked about was I want to uh, expand on this, what you, what you just said about you felt the call to do pro-life work on a full-time basis, and you went to your superior to ask permission to do it. That's the same dynamic that happened with me, uh, the same dynamic that happened with Father Peter. And I think just about all of the, the priests who have come to work for us and I want to point this out because it's not, you know, I mean, priests are used to being given assignments. You know, their superior or their bishop may ask them to do a particular thing because there's a particular need. Um, but these are instances of God stirring in our hearts the, the desire to serve the unborn. And then we seek the, the, the permissions to, to, to do that. And as you described, and it happened with me, of course, with Cardinal O'Connor, it happened with Father Peter, uh, with uh, then his bishop, uh, where, you know, it requires a, a vision on the part of the, of the uh, superiors then to say, yeah, like you just described what your provincial said, we need to branch out into this. This is a, a way of serving the church. This is a way of, of advancing the gospel. Uh, that's so important to see. And isn't that a, a key part of our message? Because as John Paul II says in the gospel of life, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the gospel of life. It's not a separate message. Pro-life is right there in the heart and at the foundation of the gospel itself. But even going back to what your quote was today from your booklet uh, on that from Isaiah, again, Mother Church, that's a reality, you know? And and so 
we have the responsibility of taking representing mother church and speaking out for her children and our children born and unborn you know let's talk about this because we have had both of us a long uh, experience now in speaking to priests uh, about this whole issue of abortion and persuading them as to why they need to do that i can summarize my experience and you can tell me uh, uh, what you would say as very positive they do respond and there's a lot of there's a learning curve you know a lot of i mean it's not a matter of of convincing them that abortion is wrong i mean they accept the teaching of the church it's something different it's a matter of convincing them that we've got an urgent battle on our hands about which we need to be speaking openly and frequently and vigorously it's it's a it's a learning not of the teaching but of the how to how to conduct the battle wouldn't you say right. I agree with that. And uh, one of the things I always did with my preaching is that basically it doesn't start with don't have an abortion. It doesn't start that way. It starts with what are the fruits of abortion? They're not good. All right. They're rotten, really, because the mother, she may have had a choice in the beginning, but it's really no choice. It was really forced into that. But afterwards, she regrets that tremendously. And that's a silence thing, too, that's undercurrent. And so to speak out brings that out, but in a way that's got to be loving. All right, in a way that's not accusing, a way that's not judgmental at all, but simply saying, we know that you're out there and we want to help you. And so that that message is, resonates very strongly with the priest, I think. The priest wants to be a healer. And it's the most important uh, facet of this thing is, is to look at what has happened and how we can better a person from uh, the distaste and the wrong way that they have chosen now to write that way. So I start off in the homily that way and then work into the whole idea of what is what is going on and the statistics that are unbelievable. Because we're talking about an issue here that is very evil because the devil cannot kill God. So what does he do? He kills those that are closest and most pure to him. And they're, of course, the unborn without any sin. Of course, original sin, we're not talking about that. But I mean, actual sin, this pure, innocent, innocent human being. He wants to take care of that, crush that. That's the supernatural understanding of this. And we have to get back to that and realize that part of it. And so that's the first thing to recognize uh, that, that tremendous uh, evil, but also the numbers. There is no greater carnage in the history of the world than the carnage, the death of these innocent babies. So from a quality standpoint and a quantity standpoint, this is, this is a supreme uh, area to look at because it's the future, you know, and once we get that across, I think to the people, even in that perspective and not from the perspective of, well, this is a woman's right to choose. You know, that's the, that's the mantra that the society has thrown out there. When you look at it from the viewpoint of that gross uh, the number, as well as the evil that's there after having shown that there is a healing process, I think your people will listen. And I think the priests are the same way. They're going to listen to this kind of thing. I remember once, uh, there's several different anecdotes, I'm sure, but I remember one parish I went to and I preached at one or two masses and the priest was there at the mass. Um, a lot of times, sometimes they're not even there that weekend. You take the place of him when you're going out. That's one of the reasons you can get that weekend because he needs a substitute. But in this case, he was there uh, through it. And uh, many times that's the truth too. And after the second time he said, you know, Father, uh, you mind if I preach the last mass tomorrow? I'd like to do it myself. 
and he did and he did a splendid job it wasn't the way i put it you know it was different it was creative in a sense but he used the idea of uh, the pro-life as not, not many different issues out there the social issues and so many we can look at uh, how we treat animals as a social issue even and how we treat people in hospitals how we treat uh, the poor how we treat many all sorts of things but he says i see this as the bookends he called the bookends in other words he's talking about beginning of life and end of life euthanasia and everything else is in between if you don't have those bookends the books fall apart they fall down so this is this is a beautiful way of putting it, it wasn't my way it was his way of uh, of attacking the issue and bringing it across to his people but the fact so he wanted to there, do it is great he preached there um after having heard you preach at the other masses i, I find this is what this is what our ministry does doesn't it it increases the confidence in our brother priests it increases their desire uh it increases their understanding that if they preach the pro-life message clearly and compassionately the, the roof of the church is not going to cave in. The people are not going to leave in rebellion. In fact, I've found, uh, you could tell us your, your experience too, that going around and preaching in the hundreds and hundreds of parishes, probably thousands uh, that I've preached on over the last uh, 30 years, that the dominant reaction of the people is thank you, and often it's like it's about time, you know, because the abortion issue has been with us for 50 years hot and heavy, you know, here in America. And it's like, you know, people expect to hear about this from the church. They know the church is against abortion. But and then so they say, thank you. This is this is wonderful. And uh, we want to hear more of it. Uh, uh, does that summarize what you've heard as well? Oh, definitely. People after mass come up to you and they say, I've never heard this. I haven't heard this. You know, it's the first time I've heard it in a long time. So, in the, you know, in the past, that's been the, the situation uh, in, in many cases, obviously, because they're telling us this. And uh, they're very grateful for it. And then they invite us. Usually it's not the priest who invites us to, a, uh, to preach on this. Sometimes it is, though. And sometimes it's a bishop that does it. Uh, I've had that happen in several places in Colorado Springs. I had it also in Tyler, Texas. Uh, different places where the bishop even wants you to come out. And of course, Bishop Yanta, who is wonderful out in Amarillo. Uh, but the people usually are the ones who, who initiate it. But I usually say, you know, talk to your pastor, try to, you know, speak to them, have two or three people come and speak to them and say, Father, this seems to be missing. You're doing a great job in preaching on this and that. But we'd like to hear this point. You know, and see how it works from there. And sometimes he'll do it on his own. And sometimes his this he'll say go to the people and say, well, you go ahead and invite so and so, or if he has, if they have somebody in mind. And that's how we got him on board many times. Um, you know, I have some of the reactions. We're talking about the reactions from the people. I've got some of the um, feedback from some of the priests over the years. Let me read a few of these quotes. Uh, Father Mark says, "You do a super job in providing materials. We are able to use them here quite." often. Um, Father Jim Marshall, a Jesuit, said, Priest for Life has helped me, a priest, to understand how my silence and cowardice on abortion uniquely and significantly contributes to this horror of horrors and often decades-long suffering that follows. Through the abundant resources available at Priest for Life, I have, as a priest, have gained the vocabulary and understanding to speak confidently about abortion. 
Uh, so this, I mean, this is music to our ears. This is exactly why this ministry was founded. Another priest, Father Modu, says, I am encouraged and inspired by your further explanation about life issues. Uh, during 10 years of my pastoral life, we had seminars, preaching, and discussion regarding uh, defending life. Um, and you can provide the resources such as bulletins, books, and uh, uh, news. And then another one, Father Eric, uh, I would like to thank Father Frank for inviting me to participate in the webinar. It was refreshing that what Priest for Life is doing. And uh, thank you for all you are, you are doing to, to save souls. Uh, and then on and on it goes. Uh, here's a priest, Father Liam, who ended up becoming a bishop. He said, those of you, us who met and heard you in Oregon, priests and laity alike, are mighty glad you came. And to have seen you in action, the homily you gave in Salem was one of the finest I've ever heard. And I'm following your good example. So this, our supporters, Father Dennis, should be encouraged. And they should be encouraged to use the resources. I know that you uh, and I were talking uh, uh, a little while ago about this book, uh, Proclaiming the Message of Life. This is one of the key resources, isn't it, for priests? Uh, it's great. Uh, uh, there's three parts to it. And it's excellent for priests, but it's excellent for everybody, really. Uh, but it's in proclaiming this message, we got to have a background. And the scriptural background, the church teaching, and summarized very nicely in the very first part of it, of the scriptural passages, the Old Testament and New Testament. Christ doesn't use the word abortion, but we know from his teaching, and we know from the Old Testament as well, which does include that, uh, the way we're supposed to respond and the basis, the solid basis. It's not just our opinion. It's not just a conjecture. It's what's in scripture. So that's always what has a very powerful starting point with priests, of course, but also with the people that are going to hear that word. That's the first part. But the second part is about the uh, some specific things which, which uh, may be obstacles in preaching on abortion. And over the years, Father Frank has... Uh, put those together, I mean, I have it myself by our own experience, but we see sometimes with priests, it, there's a this, this reluctance sometimes because again, how do you talk about all these issues? The issue about abortion is so simple. You know, basically it's two questions. It's, is it human and may I kill it? And then the third one you can ask to that too, do you know of any human being that's not a person? Because you put those things together and really see that it comes out beautifully. But some of the obstacles, I mean, I won't go through all of these, but some of them, they're important. Um, you know, the priest may be asking, am I afraid I may alienate some of my parishioners? That gets into the mind of people because we see the media that is really pushing the secular message and is almost threatening in that sense to somebody who wants to speak out on the truth. So he answers that beautifully. Am I afraid of dividing my parish? You know, I might be a single issue priest. I remember one of the archbishops of... Uh, Oklahoma City said, uh, he says, yeah, I'm a single issue priest, but it means to saving the life of thousands and thousands and maybe even millions of babies. I'm a single issue priest, you know, not that the other issues don't matter. Am I too busy to get involved? Will preaching on life issues increase the sense of guilt and pain of women who have had abortions? Well, the thing about it is once you start not with don't have an abortion, but we know you're out there and we want to help you. That's a different policy. That's a different way to begin the situation. And, you know, I think Father mentioned this over the years, and I agree with it. Sometimes, you know, there are people out there maybe saying, women and men who are involved in it, are saying, you know, 
he doesn't know I'm out here. You know, we never hear this message. I'm hurting. I want to hear something about it. No, he knows I'm out here. He knows I'm out here, but he, he can't do anything about it. He can't do much anything about it. Um, those are those are not true. I mean, yes, they're out there, but we need to supply the information to the people that are there. And when priests come to understand that, they not only get involved in the preaching, they also get involved in helping in the crisis pregnancy centers as well yes. as other areas. Project uh, Gabriel Project was one that did that quite quite well. Uh, yes, in Texas. Well, you remember the story. Uh, it was early on in the Priest for Life ministry. I started the, the homily uh, on abortion, and there was a couple sitting right in the front. And just as I was getting into the homily, when it was clear where I was going with the topic, they got up and they walked out of the church. Mm -hmm. But at the back of the church, there were some members of the parish pro-life committee and one of them intercepted them and said, oh, is there a way that we can help you? Uh, can we talk with you? And they told her that they, you were, they were upset. So she said, well, would you like to talk with Father Frank after the Mass? And fortunately, by God's grace, they said, well, yes, okay, if he's willing to talk to us. And of course, we're always willing to talk with, with, with anybody. And uh, they stayed, and, and, and I sat down with them after the Mass. Long story short, they said it was ended up being one of the best days of their lives because they were able to share with me about their own experience with abortion. And I was able to lead them and encourage them to embrace uh, the peace and the mercy of Christ, which is what we always do. And going back to what you said before, this is how we start. Whenever you and I and our other priests train priests, and, and, and by the way, also deacons, because they preach the word of God, on, on how to talk about abortion. We always say, like you, you referenced this briefly before, we start with, I am with you. Anyone who thinks they have to have an abortion, we are with you to provide alternatives. Anyone who's hurting from a past abortion, we are with you to provide mercy and forgiveness. That's how it starts, connecting. Well, the, the, connection, the connection there too, a very important little uh, piece in the puzzle there, was the person in the back that was willing to say that. And it's, it's good yes. to people who are, who are ready to do that intermediary stage so that they can supply it. Because a lot of yep. times people will just go out, you know, and then they're gone. Or after mass, they'll come up and they'll talk to you, uh, pop perhaps or something, they'll miss, they'll miss something. You know, yeah. so that's the only opportunity we have. But if there's somebody else who's an agent who can facilitate that, that even makes it better. Let, 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 let's talk about one other thing about this book that I want to talk a little bit about when we're preaching this in terms of politics. So, but we start with preaching in terms of the pastoral care. So, you know, alternatives to abortion, healing after abortion. And then what this book does, as you know, in the third part, after going through the scriptural basis, after going through the, the common objections and obstacles, the bulk of the book are the Sunday readings from the lectionary, all three cycles, all three years. Every single Sunday, I've got about a page of reflections on how it's not the homily itself. It's starting points for developing the homily to talk about abortion in reference to those Sunday readings. So I did it for the entire lectionary. And, um, you know, like you said before, Father Dennis, this is just as good for someone in the pews as to serve as a pro-life meditation on the readings 
as it is for the one who's going to preach on the readings. By the way, for those of you that are just joining us, we are talking with Father Dennis Weil, Augustinian priest who has served Priest for Life full-time since 1998. And uh, we are speaking about our our wonderful mission of encouraging the clergy to speak on abortion, the number one preeminent moral issue of our day. Um, so that's what, what this book does. And, and you know, Father, some of the homilies do deal with the question of politics. I remember a funny story you told me. It was during one of the election seasons, and, you know, you gave a, a you know, a thoroughly nonpartisan um, homily on, on abortion and, and politics, and uh, you didn't even mention any names. But you remember that somebody came up to you afterwards and they said, well, your candidate, so-and-so, yeah. remember that? <laughs> you hadn't even mentioned the candidate. Tell us about that. Well, the truth comes out, you know, in the way they're thinking too. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's really, it's a question of prejudices. I mean, thinking one way <clears throat> and then finally coming through. Well, it was good because I was able to talk with them about that and recognize things beyond this. Basically, when I when I when I uh, preach this thing, I one of the things I talk about five points: the first is prayer, then persuasion, then our presence, our being present to the ears of pe our ears open to the people who may be thinking of having an abortion, or being present on the streets with forty days for life and other ways to witness. That's another presence. The fourth thing is political responsibility. Yes, um, yes and the fifth yes. is 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 really perseverance uh, uh, and, and hope there. But the fourth thing in political responsibility, I bring that, I mentioned the topic to them, and then I'll say, now, I'm not talking politics here. I'm talking about our responsibility. I'm not going to say to you, how, who are you going to vote for? I'm not going to say that at all. I said, what reason? What is the reason you vote? What right. is the most important reason you vote? And as Christians, as Catholics, if we can't say it's to represent God's plan in the year we're voting, then we've missed the most, the biggest picture. Then we can get down to specifics underneath it. But the most important thing is what is his plan? And his plan, of course, is to, is, is to save lives. His plan is to the commandments, all the commandments in there. And so this issue is not a matter of right away saying, oh, it's this party, that party, this person. It isn't. It comes down to it later. But what is the thing that brings my attention to my vote? And it, it always it always brings a smile to my face when I think about that story. They say, "Well, your candidate, your candidate." You see, they were they were coming to the conclusion that based on what you were saying about political responsibility of the people of God, that you were advocating for the Republican candidate. I think it was a presidential election. Yeah, it had to be presidential election. Yeah. Okay. Now the point that we're making is it's not about coming to a conclusion about who our candidate is. Because we're not there in the pulpit to talk about our candidate. What is important that they come to the conclusion who their candidate is going to be. And that's the whole idea. In other words, we need to make a difference. We need to lead people to conclusions because otherwise we're just, I mean, what are we doing? We're just having a theoretical debate club, you know, a, a think tank. The, the, the church is not about being a think tank. The church is about making a change in the world. So if we go forward and we say you have to vote pro-life, if we say the first purpose of government is to protect life, if we say it's an evil, abortion is an evil that must be stopped, these babies must be protected by law, if the voter comes to the conclusion that therefore, well, I have to vote for someone who's going to protect these babies by law, and uh, if they're well en enough informed to realize that 
The Republican candidates are usually the ones willing to protect the babies by law. The Democrats, on the other hand, want to increase the number of abortions and 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 not have any restrictions whatsoever. Well, then that's yeah, well, and, and that's the thing. I, I we can't push this under the rug. You know, this right. is the way the parties are voting. That may not have been that way 15, 20, 30 years ago. Well, I thought, although it was getting that way already, but now you know, uh, you have I know you've put a, a list of the way the Senate and the House has voted in the last five years on pro uh, on life issues, and it's almost ninety five percent pro death Democrat, ninety five percent pro life. Republican. That's it's not a party right. line yeah. vote. Party line vote. And, and yeah. that's what a priest has got to see too. Now, how yeah. they handle that, but they got to see the truth of the matter on that. That's right. That's I, I spoke right. to somebody just this past weekend on that very thing, and he says, you know, it's, it's amazing. A lot of the bishops are not speaking out. I said, they're not. I said, but first of all, let's speak out on the issue and she at least d discuss that. Then we can get to how we as citizens change it. And that is, of course, through our vote and, and the way yeah, we. Yeah. Here's well, the, you know, you know, Father yeah. Dennis, you remember when you and I first started out? Again, you came on board in 1998 with Priest for Life. There were a lot of pro-life Democrats in Congress. In fact, I was—I don't remember if you were with me on any of these occasions, but I was even down at the Democrat National Headquarters, the Committee Headquarters, one time for a press conference because we were collaborating with the Democrats for Life, and there was a press conference about a law, a bill, a bill rather, that was pretty good in helping pregnant moms to, to um, uh, have incentives to, to keep that baby. But my goodness, that has evaporated. I mean, it's yeah. it, it, no matter how what people might think is good or bad, this has in fact become a partisan issue. People will say, well, it shouldn't be. Well, of course not. We're talking about preserving life. Why should that be a partisan issue? But the fact of the matter is, like you're saying, we've got to see the reality is that it is. And we don't have any more pro-life Democrats in Congress. And, 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 and we've got to show people what the political reality is. And without the church becoming a political party or endorsing anybody, we proclaim the pro-life message and we let the voters come to the conclusion. But the conclusion is not eeny, meeny, miny, mo. let me shoot an arrow in the dark. The conclusion is based on solid information that we can give them. And when we have that information, a lot of people are looking for the perfection, perfection of a candidate. As you said many times, we're not canonizing somebody here. We're voting for a better situation or a better to, to defend us. And yes, they're going to have warts and they're going to have foibles and everything else. But really look at this picture. Is this difference we look between looking at the leaves on a tree which come and go in the fall and the spring and looking at the trunk and the roots? And the trunk and the roots is what we got to look at. So as you were just saying, taking off from that, you know, we need to know and we need to not only know, but teach them the proportional value of these different issues as well. There's nothing that is more superior th than this issue, because if you don't, if you're not alive, any of the rights that you talk about don't exist. It's a it reminds me of uh, member Cardinal John Foley. He's since passed away, but you're a Philadelphia right. guy yourself. And of course he was there and, and, uh, Archbishop John Foley uh, became a cardinal. I remember him. We interviewed him uh, uh, for our programs, uh, and he said, uh, "Well, he summed it up this way. He said, you know, you know what? You know what? If you don't have life, you don't have anything.' You know? right. And that's how he explained why it's the fundamental issue. Well, we're coming to the end of our time, but but you know, we had Father Quinn, your associate uh, in the Augustinian province. Uh, he unfortunately passed away a few years ago. 
but he was a great uh, member of our team. And he always said he was the grandfather uh, at Priest for Life, you know, when we look at our, our whole team. And now I think you've said now you've kind of stepped into that role. I'm your, a grandfather now. <laughs> Maybe great grandfather. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're still very, praise God, very vigorous, very active. Yeah, I have. I was out walking uh, my full four miles today and I did a uh, little therapy for stuff but but yes well it's good because 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 we're keeping you busy we intend to continue to keep you busy people can invite you to speak in their parishes and uh yeah. and other pro-life events i mean you've spoken at you, know, you were recently with mark Houck outside the abortion yeah. mill in philadelphia you've been speaking at banquets and conventions and all kinds of things. Too. i did i did a, for that uh, pennsylvanians for human life i took an hour uh and during their gathering session you know the reception part I, I was playing piano there too. So I was able yeah. to connect that way as well. And, uh, well, and I want to remind our audience, they can go to speakerrequest.com. That's where we can, uh, uh, we have on our website, they can ask you to come. They can ask me to come. They can ask Janet to come. We have various speakers, but speakerrequest.com. If you want uh, uh, Father Dennis to come and, and he's an expert pianist, like you just said, he can do pro-life concerts as well as talks. But I just want to have you reflect for our final couple of minutes here um, in the role of, the, of a grandfather of Priests for Life, we have a beautiful family, don't we? I mean, we the do. people on our pastoral and team. And it keeps me young. <laughs> our staff. Yeah, tell us a little bit about the sense of family that we have here and how everyone works together. I think people are respectful of each other in a way that surpasses what you find in business. I mean, I'm not knocking that because many times there's great stuff there. But this is a this is a family. It's a community, and uh, I would say you know Father Frank makes the, uh, the 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 house in the sense of the structuring of what goes on and brings a lot of his own uh, spirituality to it. Janet Morata makes the home. Uh, she's one I think who, who puts the uh, pieces together in a way which which makes like for lunches and things that we have, but also some of the the involvements and the way that takes place that's the way i kind of see that then we also have um, anthony de stefano of course and others who are who are involved in the financial part of it and also in reaching out to to other areas jerry horns another one so um i don't always see these people i'm not down that frequently in florida as i used to be in staten island you know it took me two hours to drive to staten island and there we were at our meeting but now it's uh, now it's uh, two hours just to get to the just to get on a flight, you know, before we even fly, so it's it's a different situation. But but the family, it, it, it's it's coordinated, huh? but it's coordinated under an aegis. The idea of of this is a battle, this is a battle that we need to fight, and that's a challenge. It's not a problem. I look at life as a challenge, not as a problem. And I try to bring that to other people when they feel despondent at times. You know, I can't get through this or whatever it is. I don't find that there. I find it, it's a challenge. And sometimes the challenges take some time and sometimes there's ups and downs and whatever. But but I, I find the relationship is a very loving and a, and a very courteous. And um, I, I think, uh, and people know what they're doing on a professional level as well. They were uh, they're very good. God has given us a great, great team. And we're glad that you've been part of the team for so long and will continue to be. Uh, friends, as you've been listening to us, uh, uh, many of you, of course, have been leaving comments and questions. But feel free in these last few moments when I ask Father Dennis to close us in prayer. But let us know how Priest for Life has impacted 
your work and some of you watching may be priests or deacons. Let us know how we've been helpful to you. Uh, or let us know, friends, how our work has been able to encourage you to encourage your clergy, because that is at the core. It's not the only thing we do, but that is at the core of our mission, priests helping priests to deal with the issue of abortion. So, Father Dennis, would you pray for our priests, for our team, and yes. for all our Lord God, we thank you for the gift of the priesthood. We thank you for the gift of our baptism in you, Lord Jesus. We ask that your blessing continue to shine and open the minds and hearts and to give courage to those priests who are taciturn, who are silent, but somehow need to come out and speak on this beautiful issue. Beautiful not because they're killing, but beautiful because it's about defending life, the very life that you give each and every one of us, Lord. So we thank you for the gift of that life. We thank you for the gift of so many people that are pushing and willingly bringing forth this beautiful message of life in the form of saving lives, 40 days for life, and so many other wonderful things on the street, but also those who are doing this subtly, silently, quietly, those who are praying in convents, those who are giving so much inspiration to other people to write books and to change the laws as so many of our wonderful colleagues have, have been influential in doing. We rejoice over, of course, the, the Dobbs decision overturning Roe v. Wade, which is almost 50 years in coming, but it's there now. Lord, we pray for our country too, because we are, indeed split in this to enlighten the minds of people once they see the truth there's no question which side they can come on and will come on so lord we ask through our prayers through our our persuasion our presence and our political responsibility that we be persevering and remembering into one another in the love that you have given us because we are coming from the victory of the cross and the resurrection and for this, in the season of Lent especially, we ask this through Christ Jesus, our risen Lord. Amen. Amen. So thanks, Father Dennis, uh, our full-time associate since 1998. Friends, we talked about this book. You can get it at ProclaimingTheMessageOfLife.com. Help your clergy to deal with this issue of abortion. ProclaimingTheMessageOfLife.com, and you'll get those reflections on the weekly Sunday readings that you hear in church. Thanks, friends, for joining us for this special uh, edition of Pro-Life Primetime and speaking with uh, Father Dennis Wild. It's a pleasure to have you all with us, and we'll respond uh, when, you when you put questions, by the way, in the comments. If we don't get to them in that program, we'll nevertheless address them in future programs. So uh, we appreciate all your feedback and your input. I'm National Director of Priests for Life, Pro-Life Leader Frank Pavone. Thank you for joining us. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.